And a wonderful evening to you too in Nairobi and across the world. This is the Global Digest with the Global Digest team of Irene Mwangi and myself, uh, Laban Wanambisi, and the lady behind the mix, Noreen Busena. <laughs> okay, she she's waving back at you. <laughs> Uh, today we are sta- we are having a, v- a very interesting conversation, whereby we'll be looking at this the the recent spate of coups that has happened in the Sahel region, and also we'll be looking at um, why the conversation that uh, 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 President William Ruto is having about heaven is causing a bit of discomfort among a certain uh, a certain section of the populace, and we'll be ending the conversation. The, today's Global Digest with a look at um, the Africa Climate Summit that just kicked off in Nairobi today. And where, as we start off, we start off with this issue of democracy and coups in Africa. And the one question that we are seeking to, uh, will be asking is, is democracy on trial, electoral democracy on trial in Africa. But Irene, before we get to that, let us hear um, a clip from the Rwandan president, um, Paul Kagame, in 2021, when he was having an interview with John, um, Richard Quest on CNN. There's no Western leader that has been in office as long as you have. Do I care about that? Because elect- the Western leader is a Western leader. Because electorates normally <laughs> throw <not> electorates <laughs> normally throw people out. The nature of elections and oh, democracies yeah, yeah, yeah. is that people get tired of it and they move that, to another person. That is if you are telling me, you know, that everyone has to conform to what the West tells us to do. I'm not one of those people. The Western world is a world on its own. It has many good things that they do. It has many bad things they do. There's no democratically elected leader in a generally accepted democracy that has been in office as long as you. Democracy is not uh, defined by the West, no. If it does, then what happens of the contradictions that happen in the West? The first question that I would put to you is, is who defines democracy? Is there someone who actually has, um, what do you call it, a know-it-all? This is democracy. <laughs> there is no um, definition in terms of um, democracy to say um, it's a given definition. Because um, what we have known generally is that um, democracy is government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That has been the general, you know, um, definition of um, democracy world over. But looking at it, it varies um, across different countries and across different regime of context. And that's why you'll hear the Rwandan uh, President Paul Kagame <coughs> saying that the West cannot define what is democracy. The how how long a president has 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 remained in power cannot be used as the yardstick to say um, this um, particular country um, is esteeming um, democracy. So that has been um, the conversation in terms of what really is democracy. Let me is just let me just ask you then. According to Richard Quest, electoral politics or electoral democracy is defined by you being voted out. It cannot be that people are saying mm-hmm. we want you to stay. Is that is that uh, would that be a fair judgment? I don't think it will be <laughs> a fair judgment to say that uh, when people vote out an individual, that is the definition of a, of democracy. We have seen autocratic um, states that have thrived, like China. Uh, with presidents who have, you know, stayed in power for a long period of time, mm-hmm. and they're quite stable, and it it appears as if, you know, it's a demo- democratic state, regardless of how long ha- a president has stayed into power. But I think where Quest was coming from is that in most um, African states, we have seen manipulation in terms of voter suppression, in terms of ballot staffing, in terms of violence against people, manipulation of even institution, and that has a, has affected the voice of the people because um, democracy will be 
um, individually um, explained us either people expressing their will through voting mm-hmm. and the protection of civil uh, civil liberties that is the freedom and the rights so each and every electioneering period the people get to make a decision <coughs> and that give, gives them the voice of uh, what they stand for then if they'll have their will uh, being you know um, having its way then it's termed as democracy but when we are having um people not having their say through voting having their say through the protection of their um rights and freedom that's now brings a discussion of is this nation a democratic uh, um state or are we having uh, people interfering or are we having um different regimes um interfering with the a demo- a, um democracy of the people mm-hmm. so that's what brings um different definition um looking into how different countries define it and the regime um in in different countries yeah the reason why we picked this um this topic was in relation to what the former the former IBC chairperson tweeted a couple of a, a couple of days ago where he basically mentioned that the coups that have been happening in in the sahel are the ones that are are giving him the the right to say that electoral democracy is is on um, is on trial but he also mentioned that these selections if you looked at them they did not have um they did not have inter- international observers or local observers mm-hmm. who would more or less be looking at that how the process is going from a neutral point from, of view yes mm-hmm. i think my question then would be would you say the the presence or lack of international observers can be a reason for someone to tamper with with the will of the people yes largely and to a very great extent um if in the country in kenya where we 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 are quite liberal when it comes to the issues of election inviting election of observers both local and international but at the end of the day we would have um queries on whether an election is free and fair mm-hmm. and observers will have different opinion um concerning the conduct of an election looking into the 2017 general election where the observers said that there were irregularities that they noticed in that particular election to the extent that even the supreme court will go ahead and nullify that particular election now given that um ma- there has been great manipulation of institution especially um electoral bodies in the african states due to uh presidents who have decided to wield power to themselves and not allow the electorate to um make decision to either um reinstate a president or uh make a change especially in the sahel region that we're having you know coups that have been witnessed um for a couple of years now we have had six coups um in in the sahel region it's to show that given that there was no presence of um observers to say this process was free and fair and that we are having cases of manipulation of in- of electoral institu- institutions it then goes to show that observers have a critical role in deciding whether the people have had um their say um when it comes to election outcome mm-hmm. so uh, that's why you will see the critical aspects of election observers in in elections especially in african states whereby even though we have laws in place there are still cases of you know manipulation manipulation of institution and interference you've quoted abraham lincoln the former the former president of the united states in his words where he says government of the people by the people for the people mm-hmm. the people the people the people the for instance in the coups yes that have taken place from burkina faso to niger to to niger to mali to senegal to now gabon mm-hmm. same thing each of uh, the the army generals are saying we are doing this on behalf of the people in fact in in gabon where what happened is the election result was declared and then the election result was declared and then and then um the what do you call it the army uh, stepped in mm-hmm. yes who is the people in our constitution we have that phrase we the people but who is the people and 
who determines what the people want that's why we have um the context of the majority will have their way mm-hmm. and the minority will have their say mm-hmm. in terms of when we say the government is defined by the people mm-hmm. government of the people mm-hmm. by the people and for the people mm-hmm. those who will have their their way in terms of who will become the next president say in Gabon or even in Kenya is the majority mm-hmm. while the minority will um just have their say that okay. you know they tried but they agreed huh? yeah <laughs> they, they couldn't get there mm-hmm. but um y- looking into the scenario of Gabon um that um Ali Bongo was declared um the president elect yet um to a very large extent there were questions about interference then it goes to show that maybe the uproar that came with him being declared the president elect maybe the people did not have their say you look at niger mm-hmm. yeah um niger the army came in took over mm-hmm. the ecowas international community came and said you must give back the um, the, the rule of the country to civilians yes but the army said no we are doing this for the people and when the worst was almost getting to the worst guess who showed up on the streets and in stadiums the, the people. people and even up to today the people are still saying these are the people we want this is the group we want to rule this country the the person you are saying should be given back the um, what do you call it the reins of power mm. we don't want him we don't recognize him he's not our leader mm-hmm. now the question still comes back if the people if the people make a decision and someone has the the right to go and 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 just say no we are going to go another route i am going to take over from today i am now the president um, i'm now the transition mm-hmm. um, um transition leader as they have done in gabon today mm-hmm. then is there really any point of having a western styled election should we go should we go back chinese do it their own way yeah. the americans do it their own way the electoral college is there anything such as an african democracy um african why why we having the debate on democracy and african democracy is because the african democracy is a mimic of what democracy is why i say so is because um the black people africans have been exposed to bad leadership to the extent that their definition of democracy is not the same as what um uh, the western countries can esteem as democracy and that's why you will see that um as year, as years go uh, go by even in the country we are witnessing the case of voter apathy because the electorates have have um gotten to understand that even in the case where they will have their way in terms of um electing a certain leader things still remain the same even with the transition of a regime you will see that if the previous regime will have issues of um harsh economic times the same will escalate to um the transition government so there isn't much change and that's why you will see cases of um voter apathy mm-hmm. um to a very large extent because again we are having the electoral bodies that you know um conduct election in different countries there has been questions of interference now in the case of um gabon um i think when you saw the youth come out in in large numbers to um demonstrate and say you know they will allow um the military to be the transition government in place and not allow the president elect to take the reins of power is because they had gotten to a point where by they are feeling like um he has failed to deliver and it appeared to be some sort of a monarchy although it's it's a democratic state um ali bongo took um leadership from from his father yes. but the situation still remained the same but the people were still there <laughs> You see to, if to, the people to, don't say enough is enough yeah. then president and, uh, transitional leader laban or president laban continues, continues. Yes. So, the, the, so he knows mm-hmm. uh, the people are happy the, someone has to come and tell the king hey king 
uh, things are not the same. Yes, and that's what happened in 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 Gabon. I guess the question and that I'm asking mm-hmm. is, and in a way, Richard Quest was asking, mm-hmm. do we does Africa need to go to go back to the coup to to having coups? Coups are not the the best solution in terms of um, changing um, a regime. Mm-hmm. It's not the democratic way of doing things. I, I think it's the last resort. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the electorate have gotten to a point where they've had in, um, enough of um, a certain leadership. And now they're saying we cannot continue with this anymore. Even in the country, the thought that military will take over, it will remind you of the dark, you know, dark can wearers because when military take over it's not the same um type of you know um um leadership but to the extent that people were celebrating that the military has has gotten in um to um as a transition government will tell you that they had reached their they had had enough of uh, president ali bongo to the extent that they would rather have the military than have the president elect um ali bongo or even call for um, a second li- liberation that is agitated by the civilians. So th- that's the extent that, you know, African democracy is quite the joke. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the things that Irene doesn't, has not put outright, outrightly is a phrase that here in Kenya is used um, frequently. We would say punda imechoka is what probably happened in Ghana, in Gabon, or something like that. But Irene, one you've mentioned something to do with the youth, and that's the one thing that um, in all of these stories, that all of these um, transitions that have happened, the question has been asked over and over again: Where is the voice of the youth? Where are the youth? Why can't we see the youth coming out? Why can't we hear the voice? The, we, can, we cannot hear what the youth feel about the, demo, the democratic gains, if there are any, mm-hmm. being usurped. And if you actually look, for instance, at Gabon, um, the, the deposed president released a tape, uh, released um, a video clip right um asking people to make noise make real noise mm-hmm. yes and what happened is something that just kind of got i think most of most of us very um in an off guard situation because we expected the international community to basically come out but on um social media networks where the youth are are supposed to come and make noise. If you go back to, what do you call it, the Arab Spring, one of the things that made the Arab Spring uh, kind of gather momentum was the use of social media, the Twitter handles, the Facebooks and stuff. But when you when you come to, for instance, Gabon, this is what you got in, in, in terms of the... In t- my question is are intellectuals the old generations um right in their in being concerned that the youth are not taking leadership seriously if a deposed president asks for help and someone decides to make a mixtape out of it mm. just to have fun out of it um i think given that uh, you you will question why um the youth are not taking up leadership positions, given that 70% of the population in Africa is the youth, and therefore they make um, the largest group in terms of um, the electorate. Mm-hmm. To, to say that if they can decide to have a unified voice in terms of electing a leader, then they would definitely have their way. But that's not what happens when it comes to um, the ballot, and that's why um, when President Ali Bongo came out to um, tell <laughs> the electorate in Gabon to come out and make noise over what is happening. Even the international community. Even mm. there, there was there, there wasn't much that was happening, and the outrage that we witnessed um, in Gabon is that the intellectual, that is the the oldies mm-hmm. people who you know are in their say fifties and sixties, yes. 
they were quite icked by the move uh, of the military um, taking over. And they were saying that, you know, the youth are not serious in terms of um, the issues of leadership, saying that um, them seeing the military take over, it's uh, reminiscent of the dark days of the 70s and the 80s, um, when we had, you know, Africa had cases of coups um, I- in the country, in, in the continent, mm-hmm. which was, was which was quite unfortunate. But the electorate have seen, the youth electorate have seen that them, you know, casting the ballot to elect a certain leader is not quite um, the outcome that they have. Their support, th- their support for a certain leader is not what um, is portrayed out there because, of course, of interference when it comes to elections. Again, um, the 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 sad thing that certain leaders say in in Uganda, President Yoweri Museveni has refused to pave way for young blood, the likes of Bobby Wine. Um, the the youth are quite, you know, agitated by the fact that people who have stayed in power for the longest time, they have continued to um, um, become rich at the expense of the sweat and the blood of the uh, of the youth who now remains poor, makes them feel like they have no voice. And therefore, if they can associate with um, whatever is happening in terms of military coup, just to have some sort of a breather, from uh, a regime that has refused to let go of power for fresh blood, for change, then that is what they'll stick on. But Irene, if I was to use the example of, for instance, uh, Ugandan President Museveni, um, he has has held elections just as Kenya does, Mm -hmm. uh, as South Africa does, and each time he wins... But the question is, is it it a a free and fair process, given that we have had cases of candidates being um, suppressed? They cannot um, um, appear before television and radio stations. They cannot freely campaign. That goes ahead to interfere with the democratic process, which then points out that an election is not free and fair. Um, for people to make um, their choice, when we are having when we are having cases of um, I don't want to call them dicta- dictators for, for for the avoidance of being sued, <laughs> but when you're having a, a sitting president intimidate upcoming candidates, then it goes to show that people cannot have um, their way in and their say in the electoral process. So in the in the case of Uganda, it can be a wrong example to. To sort of point out, I would be safe to give an example of um, Rwanda, um, what happens in Rwanda, you know, with, with Paul Kagame. I, I can't say that clearly we have seen cases of interference, although there have been questions of whether he is quite the dictator in terms of what is happening in the ground or in, mm-hmm. uh, of stifling um, any upcoming political movements. But in African states where we're having regimes stay onto power for a long period of time, even in the cases whereby they will have election, we have seen interference from the process of elections being announced, which, you know, election is a, is a cycle. From the process of campaigning to the tail end of people going at the ballot to vote, we have seen um, situation of interference and intimidation of uh, presidential candidates. So it therefore goes to show that People cannot have, you know, um, the the voice of the people cannot be heard in the um, electoral processes. Okay. Um, and with that, we come to 7 o'clock and we will take a short break and we'll be back in a bit. Capital FM. And welcome back to Global Digest with myself, Lebanon Ambisi, and Irene Mwangi. And we are talking about uh, key issues that have been taking place in our continent and across the globe. And usually, whenever someone talks about heaven, it is something that should should get you a bit, uh, should give you a, a, a joyous feeling. However, when it is the head of state talking about it, and you kind of get other people being a bit afraid or something like that it kind of makes you wonder why why would it um why would the thought of meeting your maker and having 
streets paved with gold and a room a room all by yourself and stuff like that why would that scare you well until you hear the clip that i'm about to play mewaambia hawa wote hapo watoke hiyo company ni company ya wananchi na tutaipangia upya hakuna kesi tuta entertain hapo kesi watoe na wao wenyewe watoke na nimewaambia mambo ni mangapi matatu wakitaka kuniletea kifirani either wahame Kenya ama nitawaweka jela ama wasafiri waende mbinguni Irene you for those who know me um they would say um I'm quite religious mm-hmm. I believe I'm going to heaven okay. I'm not worried about it mm-hmm. but some people are worried by that statement why would you be worried by a president assuring you that you would find your way to heaven because at the time when he was making that particular um statement concerning <coughs> the businessman just one just one not right mm. um the gentleman was missing and in Kenya you know when a prominent person is missing either he's kidnapped or um for whatever reason the family will report that the person is missing most often than not the person will be found dead okay so when <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me when president william ruto was making the sentiment Rai was uh, nowhere to be seen and the family had gone to report that um the gentleman had been kidnapped with even um CCTV footage showing how the incident happened mm. so what caused the uproar is why the president was talking about Rai and Rai was missing and in a government or in a nation whereby we have seen um head of states making certain sentiments and uh for whatever reason especially during the nyayo era we, you will you will hear a head of state making a sentiment concerning an individual for um <coughs> for um a known reason mm-hmm. the person will disappear a probe will commence and nothing will come out of it <laughs> is what you know cost the um agitation or the uproar among Kenyans on what But the president said it's not the first time the president has made this particular rem- this in f- that particular phrase he has said it even he said it during the campaigns but when he said he has said it like three times he said it once in kericho mm-hmm. and there was another time he was still in the rift and he said it like he said it four times um i remember i've watched it um there's um ktn news played it when he talked <laughs> about it now the only reason why it like you said it kind of raised um raised hairs mm. is because of the link with um because of the disappearance of this of right but when you look at president ruto one of the things that he did when he came into power in fact on the press conference after the supreme court um the supreme court uh, upheld mm. his election mm. one of the things that he started with is i want to tell the people we used to communicate using whatsapp call that freedom is It's here, here. Okay. people will no longer be disappearing <coughs> into into containers and stuff like that okay. is he walking back on something that he has said and how then do you hold a president accountable for something he has said or something <coughs> he a thought that he has put into someone's head first of all when he said that during the campaign uh, period in um Kericho, was it mm-hmm. at that time he was a deputy president and he appeared to be an outsider um many will had the thought that he will not make it to power so he will have easily you know walked away with it still second in But command yeah but at the time it it seemed like he was an opposition leader given that courtesy of the handshake raila was um closer to uh, president uhuru kenyatta than um than deputy president william ruto mm-hmm. and to a very large extent he will say that he's not part of the government the government is um interfering with his campaign the government is intimidating him so he didn't wield the power of a second in command so he would have easily gotten away with it but when a sitting president is is making such a sentiment and to the extent that he said that he will use the judiciary to make sure the corrupt officials are brought to book it then um soiled his statement even further because 
as we know, we have, you know, separate arms of government. Therefore, we cannot have the executive sort of insinuate that they will work in collusion with the judiciary to um, have a certain outcome, even if it's for the good. Because Rai in this case went to the judiciary, um, I believe, to seek justice mm-hmm. uh, when he felt that the executive was sort of interfering with um, his rights. The president then cannot say that the move by right to move to the judiciary is a futile attempt because he will collude with the judiciary to make sure the corrupt officials, in this case, um, judges uh, as well as um, the businessman in question here, um, to ensure that um, the sugar cartels are, you know, are done away with. So the sentiments he made were heavy to the extent that he showed an interference um, on the constitution because there is right to life and protection of persons against against the cruel and inhumane treatment. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it felt like Rai is underprivileged uh, as a Kenyan citizen, if at all, a sitting president, the most powerful person in the country, mm-hmm. can speak about you twice in a public rally to tell you, by the way, Mambo ni Matato, you... <laughs> you know, Uhame Kenya. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the second so one. So <laughs> basically, you told the line. Or, you know, it's my way. There's no other way. But I didn't. So where does it leave the judiciary when you hear the judiciary ideally has in in the war against corruption, in the war um, against um, anything that the the executive wants to fight, the judiciary is always the whipping boy. Yeah, in the sense that they will always carry the blame. We, we you'd hear um, DCI, you'd hear DPP, you'd even hear the executives say, "We brought these people to the judiciary, and the judiciary are the ones who let them go." Mm-hmm. We have not had a statement from from the CJ, from the what do you call the um, the chief registrar of the judiciary, or even the judicial service commission. Yeah, is it telling? <laughs> the silence by um, <coughs> the Chief Justice Mother Koome is deafening because the sentiments that the president made cannot be let lying down at a time when the opposition has sort of insinuated that the judiciary is in bed with the executive. I think the moment the president made the sentiment to, to show that they would work with the judiciary to uh, bring the sugar cartels to book, at that particular moment, the Chief Justice Mother Koome should have come out to um make the issues clear that by the way we are an independent arm of government and we will deal with cases indi- independently without the um what do i call it without um looking mm-hmm. into what is happening either in the executive or even in parliament so that they decided to keep quiet on this particular manner in this particular case will then dent further the trust or the independence that um, the judiciary holds and will even give the opposition a louder voice to say that indeed the judiciary is not an independent arm of government. Mm -hmm. The executive is to a large extent interfering um, with the the conduct of the um, judiciary. That Rai withdrew the case two days, is it? I think a day, a mm-hmm. day after uh, uh, President William Ruto made the sentiment, will go to show the the extent of the intimidation he felt that he decided he will not pursue the case further, given that the president has uh, made a declaration. Then I don't see the need of pursuing justice. If at all, that is what he wanted in this row of uh, the Mumia's sugar company, and it is it is unfortunate, and that's why you'll hear the uproar by civil organization to say that it might appear like a light joke because Mambo Nimatato is now trending on social media, but the impact of of that sentiment to the extent that somebody felt intimidated is not quite a good show for a country that is saying that no one is above the rule of law. Actually, if you want to know how um, uh, endemic that statement has been, you are now hearing governors going around saying Mambo Nimatato. Yes and repeating what the president has said but i think it even got worse when i saw um a county security chief speak in front of a, a public baraza 
and repeat the very same statements mm-hmm. which in years gone by Iran goes but years year, years gone back mm-hmm. you'd actually have people say that is not right but international community not speaking yeah. um the judiciary not speaking i power not speaking is there it's, the, it's, is it's, there this this uh, phrase that the deputy president likes using are we seeing a return to state capture it is it is indeed what you call it a state capture that even civil organization that are um in indip- I don't call them independent but they're mostly neutral mm. when it comes to um issues maybe raised by the government or um, the opposition to the extent that we did not hear their voice louder um when say the president made the sentiment we saw the LSK the Haki um initiative mm. um 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 raised issue with the sentiment by the president but that right with the due the case and now the issue became silent mm-hmm. i think is not um a right the right president on this particular issues it shows that even subsequently any attempts to sort of impede some of um the policies the government put in place will be defeated if at all there will be a sense of intimidation mm-hmm. because if rai uh, uh, a well known business person who of course has contributed to a very large extent to the economy can um, withdraw a case because of the president intimidation even though he feels like you know I'm an equal partner in terms of development uh, partners or private sector that are helping the country to thrive you can imagine uh, a common wananchi yeah. a human right activists down there the umtatas who are now upcoming if the president will say a certain sentiment then they will be quite shaken because if tycoons are withdrawing a case because the president say i said this then you can imagine a human right activist who is filled with passion and now feels like they they can you know oppose a certain policy they will be quite shaken to even attempt or even think of um impeding any efforts by the government in terms of policy frameworks being put in place by the Kenya Kwanza alliance um regime i mean it actually reminds me of when president uh, moi former president moi left power and one of the things that he had to deal with was a number of directives that he learned were being executed under the um, under the under the phrase orders from above or mzee amesema So in this case I think one of the things that you'd actually see LSK um, who have been who actually came out and said this is wrong and uh the human rights bodies coming out and say this is this statement is wrong it is it is it is violating the the right to fair trial mm. the right to access to justice mm. is at the end of the day you will actually sit there and Irene who is for all, for the purposes of this discussion a nobody in quotes um maybe owns land somewhere and someone comes and just tells Irene Irene you have to vacate this land or you have three choices as you had um dosa mesema mm-hmm. i mean how then do you cuz in a way you have you have taken away public confidence from government bodies yeah how do you reinstate confidence in in these public institutions starting all the way from maybe the office of the ombudsman that's where i would think the first person would actually go um it will take time uh, given the deafening silence by the chief justice mother kome mm-hmm. um on this um particular issue that he has not she has not come out to um categori- categorically put it that they do not um Mm, affirm to um the message by uh, president william ruto mm-hmm. and that the civil societies which you know are also a recourse when it comes to um intimidation or the interference of freedom and rights it is saddening that we could be going back to the dictatorial days that when a sitting president says something or now that we are talking about governors who are now um sort of you know um associating themselves with what um the president said then we could be going back to the um, dark 
uh, Kanwera, despite you know the progress that we have made with the 2010 constitution. Um, we have not. I've had um, the opposition leader Raila Odinga, of course, condemn um, mm. um, what the president said, but their voice has not been heard loud enough. I will assume that maybe the bipartisan talks that are ongoing will sort of, you know, take their their attention on this particular issue, but that the issue is not being let um, lying down. Again, it's 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 it's, it's quite unfortunate. We we saw the president come out and try to <coughs> to water down the statement to say it was not a threat but it was just him emphasizing his resolve to fight corruption but you 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 cannot resolve corruption by taking the right of another you right mm-hmm. the right to life because if you say i, I would want him to interpret what he meant that what i end up you know what? What? What will you make of it? There is no other way to to go to heaven. There's only uh, one person only who actually went up. Yeah, Enoch, Enoch in the Bible, and these are uh, <laughs> these are the last days. You, <laughs> I'm not sure whether okay. <laughs> you can evaporate to <laughs> to heaven. But when you hear that particular statement, what will you make of, make of it? Mm-hmm. Even a child who is in class three, they will of course interpret what the president said. It it is plain blank that. Mm-hmm. You, you you will either die if I told you not, you know, to the line. That mm. was a threat. He repeated it twice. Okay. It's not something that can be that, you know, lying down. Before before <coughs> we, we take a break, you mentioned the, the former Prime Minister, um, Raila Odinga, and when he was in Vihiga over the weekend, he seemed frustrated to the point that he actually turned to the Kotu Secretary General and told him, Francis Atoli, I am doing your job. You are the one who's supposed to be to be uh, fighting for the rights of the workers, but I am the one who's telling people go to the streets because the cost of living is too high. Do you do you almost feel <laughs> that that cry by the 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 former prime minister, like he feels that now he's being uh, he has been isolated in this fight. He's the only one. He's the only one who, if he doesn't speak the country might yeah. as well just be going <coughs> to one direction. I think um, opposition leader Raila Odinga has tried the much that he has tried, even in previous regime, to call out um, cases whereby we have witnessed either interference with the freedom and rights. And in this particular case, the dynamics have changed. Previously, we used to see a vibrant um, civil society. But right now, we are having, you know, LSK and Haki Africa mm. come out quite, um, you know, vibrantly, although it is not quite loud enough. Now, opposition leader Raila Odinga, you know, turning to um, Kotu SG Francis Atoli, who has sort of sided with the Kenya Kwanzaa regime, mm. is to show how frustrated the opposition can be when the voices the dissenting voice has been muzzled in a way given that the the fear uh, when we we are having some sort of undertones of dictatorship then the dissenting voice cannot um, be loud enough to agitate for change and that's why you will feel like the opposition leader is feeling all alone and of course with the with his age, he will not be the vibrant Odinga who, you know, staged a coup in 1982. Things Allegedly. will be quite... Actually, uh, the, the, <laughs> the statement, <laughs> the, when you went, when um, the, the process was taken to court by the former attorney general, they could not prove that, that he w- he was part of that. Um, yeah. Anyway. yeah. All right. With that as it may, yeah. of course, the Raila Odinga that was there in 1982 is not the same. Um, in 1992, in coming a, down. Yeah, yeah it's not the same. So I I think that's why he feel he feels like he's alone in terms of you know um, advocating or bringing the. Um, the current regime into accountability and of course a unified voice of the opposition there appears to be some sort of distraction mm. all aimed to the 2027 you know general election so I think that's why you will feel his frustration um, talking to Atoli who's now singing um, Kenya Kwanza chorus in, in every you know public arena that he he addresses we started the conversation earlier on with a quote from Abraham Lincoln. The government is for the people, 
by the people and Irene the last one is still some it basically revolves around people people people, people. so if the people do not have a problem with the leaders talking about heaven then you 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 actually see where the the problem is that maybe they didn't see anything wrong with that statement and as we take another break we will be coming back with the issue of the Africa climate summit And welcome back to Global Digest with myself Lebanon Ambisi and Irene Mwangi. We've we moved on we move on now to the next topic where we look at the um Africa Climate uh, Summit which began in Nairobi today this morning and was opened by President uh, William Ruto. <laughs> um and one of the things that it will be it will seek to do is to give Africa one voice that they will be taking to cop 28 but in order to i i just like doing this to just set the um, the mood for that conversation let us hear what uh, a clip of what uh, president ruto said during the opening of that um summit africa can power all our energy needs with renewable resources The continent has enough potential to be entirely self-sufficient with the mixture of wind, solar, geothermal, sustainable biomass and hydropower. In Africa, we can be a green industrial hub that helps other regions achieve their net zero strategies by 2050. Irene, when when you hear the, the such conversations is it is it real or is it just something that someone is saying is it wishful uh, <coughs> thinking what the president what president william ruto said um it is achievable mm-hmm. this quite achievable by 2050 but now the issue is that what are the drivers to achievement of that particular goal it calls for you know a united front it calls for finances so it is quite achievable but the problem is the implementation and the driving factors that mm-hmm. will ensure that you know we achieve that particular goal of having renewable energy as the main source of uh, energy by 2050 one of the things that um president ruto has been has been seeking to do when he was when he was elected and even when he attended um, i think cop 27 is he keeps saying Africa must be given its its rightful place. Yeah. African has Africa has a certain number of assets that have not been put to the bal- to the to the balance sheet. If it is put then our value goes up. Now, how do you, it's one thing to meet in Nairobi um over 24 over 24 heads of state mm-hmm. and uh, heads of government to meet in Nairobi <coughs> and say this is our position as Africa yeah. and then show up in uh, in at COP28 yes. um which i think will be in the middle east somewhere it's in dubai yeah and say as africa this is our position and we are not budging i mean even even uh, the the western countries usually have a fight among themselves. themselves yeah so how will big mama africa <laughs> show up to the table and say this is my I, i think the test that will be you know the first um africa union climate summit will be them having a united front on the uh, um the issue of um climate change crisis that we are having in 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 the continent as well as the issue of financing that we are contributing 5% of global climate change yet we are bearing the brunt of the devastating consequences is a call for uh, african states to have one voice given that the issues of perennial droughts and the rising temperatures as well as the arctic weather we are facing as a continent mm-hmm. affects us to a very large extent in terms of um um economic growth mm-hmm. so us having 20 23 head of states yeah. um in the country is a good show um in terms of having the goodwill to um 
have the discussion and have a united front on this particular issue. I but now the problem... There, there are people who have already, civil societies, who have mm. already come out yeah. and said that the they, conference has been hijacked. Yes. It, and it and has no. mo- the conversation <laughs> is moving from... It is supposed to be on clean energy solutions, yeah. but it has moved it is moving back to fossil fuel that is mm-hmm. oil and gas. gas and and that's why i was coming to the to the point that us having a united front it will be quite the test given that the issue of financing is being done by the western countries mm-hmm. so if they are giving us the finances that will enable us to achieve say um the quest of having renewable energy by 2050 then they will dictate to a very large extent on what should be done and how it should be it should be done yeah so now the test of us having a a, a united front yeah. will be tested in in the issue of finances mm-hmm. that they are saying that they do not want president william root has been advocating saying that they don't want loans they're mm-hmm. they're looking for grants because as african nations we are struggling um to play catch up with the developed countries and therefore us having loans to achieve um or to um deal with the issue of um climate change um uh, crisis then will make us drag even further because we are having other issues that we are dealing with including the achievement of sdg goals that we are not yet there mm-hmm. so the test here will be having a, a united front as a continent especially that uh, uh, looking at the backdrop of cop 27 a lot of swe- a lot was said there were a lot of meetings a lot of um uh frameworks and uh, policies being pl- being put in place but when it came to monitoring and ensuring that um we have made progress um on those particular issues um little was was um was achieved so going back to cop 28 it will be quite interesting to see what will be, you know, tabled, especially uh, given the outcome that will come out of the uh, African Union Climate Summit. Thank you very much, Irene. And as they say, time flies when you're having so much fun or even when you're just talking. Um, so I think one of the things that people will be looking out for when it comes to COP20, uh, when it comes to the Africa Climate Summit will be, will the African nations come up with a comprehensive climate finance stra- uh, strategy that will more or less combine local um, local um, community engagement, yeah. climate uh, resolution in inf- infrastructure, and innovative uh, financing mechanisms such as um, climate insurance and green bonds. And on that climatic um, note, it's where we end today's um, episode of Uh, the Global Digest. Next week, we'll be having a special edition where we'll be looking at um, President Ruto's term in one ear. And most probably, you'll hear a very familiar voice in the the voice of Davis Ayaga and probably Farid Kimani. You never know. But we will be here and we will be having that conversation. Please, you can also send in your, your... your questions if you would like us to to digest some of them but as of now we want to say very a very um warm thank you for tuning in and staying with us good night <laughs>